So this evening we'll finish up a lesson, Lord willing, that we, well, we started this morning, but actually this morning was kind of part five almost, and I wasn't going to leave the same title, but we've been studying Is God Good? And, and, and we've been studying that, and what does that mean, and, and uh, who can make that judgment, who can make that statement? And uh, we found that it depended a lot on from what perspective you view God. So we we had four lessons on that, and this morning uh, we kind of went uh, a different route, but it's almost a continuation of that, things that we would look at about God. And we look at God, we look at ourselves, and uh, uh, so then we have these thoughts or these conclusions about about God. So I, I want to read just a couple of quick scriptures that we uh, uh, read this morning. Actually, this one you don't have to turn. It, it was in Romans 3. It uh, says, uh, For what if some did not believe? So there's a, a truth about God. And the truth is, He's a sovereign God. And sovereign means free of outside influence. Now, I'm not free of outside influence. There's a lot of things influences me. It influences my decisions. But God is free of outside influence. Uh, it said, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? So if I don't understand something about God, does that mean it's not true? Because I don't understand it? And then it goes on to say, God forbid, yea, let God be true and every man a liar. So because certain people or even myself doesn't believe something does not mean that it's not true. I know as human beings, it's kind of a little hard to understand because <laughs> uh, we do want to understand things. So we want to keep that in mind uh, because we can't understand something or don't believe something about God, doesn't mean it's not true. What does it mean? It means that we don't understand it. So then we would pray that he would uh, open our understanding, cause us to grow, and we would like to say, oh yeah, give it all to me at once. But it might be a little nugget here and there. And as brothers and sisters, then we share that one with another. I do want to read this scripture, which we read this morning, Job 38. You don't have to turn there. We did read it, but I want to read it again. This is where Job had gone through all these, what we would label as terrible things. Lost all of his family, lost all of his goods, his land, his, everything he had. All he had left was his wife, and even she was used to tempt him. So he went through this phase. Uh, Lord giveth, Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Very strong, very true. But then we see he went through some other uh, times that said, no, this shouldn't be happening to me. If there was a, I wish there was a book written about my life and I could get an audience with God and I'd go show him, God, this shouldn't be happening to me. These bad things shouldn't be happening to me. Now to the wicked over here, yeah, but it shouldn't be happening to me. He went as far as to say it had been better if I hadn't been born. And I make the statement, if it had been better that he hadn't been born, he wouldn't have been born. So here's something. Uh, uh, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, 
Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? So darkened counsel, in other words, this was God's plan. And we talked this morning, if we had a big blueprint and all these, uh, with, with God's plan in it. And uh, so Job was saying, this in your plan is not good. It's not right. I should have died back here, or I shouldn't be in this misery. So he's darkening God's counsel. So God asked the question to Job. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? And he says, Gird up now your, thy, thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. He said, I'm going to give you, Job, the opportunity you wanted. You wanted to come before me and convince me that these things shouldn't be happening to you. I'm going to give you that opportunity. But I have some questions for you first. And it's, it's good to read all these questions, but just a couple here. So he says to this Job who darkeneth God's counsel, Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measure of it, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched a line upon it? Whereupon are its foundations fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone? So to Job, or even to us, this is a big, big question. Puts us down in our place a little bit. Now here just talks about the earth. Let's talk about the universe. I, I love, they put these more powerful telescopes out there, and, and, all, and they're just seeing so far away. And all of it's working like clockwork. According to God's plan. So we could even, I can ask you, you can ask me, okay, how did God do all of this? All these plants and everything. And these stars and galaxies and just, it just, uh, uh, I can't, and I can't imagine kind of without end. Uh, so anyway, so he asked Job these questions to put Job in his place. And that's what I'd like to do. I'd like for us to be put in our place. What is our place? What is our place? On the receiving end of God's grace and mercy. That's our place. That's a good place to be. <laughs> you say, no, it's up to us to earn our way to heaven and do this and do that. That's our place. No, that's God's place. That's God's choices. That's God's decision. Our place is on the receiving end of his grace and mercy. One more scripture I'll read before we move on. It was in Isaiah uh, chapter 40. I want to read that again. Uh, but I want us to see I want us to be put in our place he was putting Job in his place Job, yeah you, you, you darkened my counsel you said it should be this way and this way and this way Job, let me ask you some things so he's putting Job in his place and again, I want us to be put in our place 
but I want to know where our place is. So Isaiah chapter 40, and actually we'll read a couple more verses that we didn't read this morning, but in verse 13. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, has taught him? And that's kind of what we could title our lesson, I guess. Counselor, teacher. We go and we go to school, we have teachers, we have counselors. Uh, even as adults, we may go to, to classes and they may counsel and they may teach us things. Uh, if somebody wants to be a certified electrician, they go and they receive counsel that they can do that. Or a certified carpenter, they receive counsel that they can do this. But who hath directed the spirit of the Lord? Or who, who being his counselor has taught him? I made this statement before, I made it this morning. God's not getting any smarter. God's not growing in wisdom. He has all wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So he's not, he doesn't need a counselor. He doesn't need Job to tell him, and he certainly doesn't need me uh, to teach him anything. So we want to see where our place is. And I don't say this to make you feel bad. I say this to make you see what a blessed place you are. We read about uh, grasshoppers in this site. Uh, I don't say that to make you feel bad. Again, I told you about the person, Austin, us being grasshoppers. And afterwards, they didn't like being compared to grasshoppers. They wanted to be up here equal with God. So, who has directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, has taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment or justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding? I, I, I want, and I suppose my prayer through my life has been that he increases in wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. But we ask that of him because that's where to come. But he, he doesn't have to ask somebody for it. He has all wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Behold, the nations are like a drop of a bucket and are counted as a small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the aisles uh, as, a, as a little thing. Lebanon is not sufficient to burn or to be sufficient for burnt offerings. You know, through the Old Testament and through the law, and they would offer these sacrifices and these burnt offerings to God and everything. It talks about Lebanon. I, when I picture Lebanon, I picture it must have been something like a redwood forest out there. And I'd love to see that someday. And I don't know if you can still drive through that tree or not that we saw in history books, but maybe I could walk through it. But I figure that was like Lebanon. And it was a, a place of, of plenty, but yet all that was not sufficient to make a sufficient sacrifice unto God. Uh, all nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him as less than nothing in vanity. And, and in verse 18, we didn't read this morning. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to him? And that's, that's is our difficulty 
one of the difficulties in understanding God and who God is. We communicate, we learn a lot by comparison. And I use this same illustration over and over. Uh, a kiwi fruit. You say, what does it taste like? Well, if, if you try to just say it with words, say, well, it's sweet, but, but if you say it tastes like a strawberry. Oh, I understand then. In fact, I think kiwi fruit tastes more like a strawberry than some strawberries nowadays. Now, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? But anyway, uh, but there's nothing to compare God with. We might... We might talk about race. I watched a little bit of NASCAR today. It was on the road course. I don't like that as well. But anyway, might talk about who was a, who's the best. Well, Richard Petty's going to come to mind. Or you might go Indy, Parnelli Jones, or A.J. Foyt, all these names. But you can compare them to one another. But with God, we don't have it. We can't compare him to us. There's nothing to compare him with. So to understand God with our minds, we understand the, the problem and the issue there. So, and then, uh, well, while we're here, I'll read 23 again. We read this morning, or 22. It is he who sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and inhabitants thereof are like grasshoppers, who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain, and spreadeth them out like a tent to dwell in. So it's, I want us to see a little bit about God. There's nothing to compare him with. But I want us to understand what we can of God, that our understanding would grow. I think our understanding grows about God when our understanding grows about us and who we are. Job, again, I'll show God. If I had that book, I'd show him it shouldn't be happening to me because I've been a good guy. I declared the word of God, and he did. He spoke of God. He taught of God to all his friends and everybody. And, of course, that was part of his suffering. Whenever all these things happened to him, the people had been preaching about God, and they said, you've been preaching lies to us. It's not true. That's why you made God mad. That's why all these things are happening to you. But it wasn't the reason. So we talked, and I don't want to spend too much time on it. We gave a lot of instances this morning. So he asked a question in the 38th chapter, you know, who is, who is this that counsels me without knowledge? And here, who did God, who did he go to? Who was his counselor? Who taught God? So we kind of went at it from the uh, viewpoint that, if you, if I, had the position of counseling God, now I know I'll just speak as a fool for a little bit, but we talk like a, a big set of blueprints, God before the foundation of the world. And well, we read this also. He declared the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things had not yet come to pass. He also tells us his counsel will stand. Regardless of what Job thinks or thought. So back here, from eternity past, God had a plan. We can look at it as a set of blueprints or something. And out there at the end, he declared it from here. But then it still says, from ancient times, 
things have not yet come to pass. Tomorrow hasn't come to pass, but it's in his plans. I told you the, the plans for the St. Mary's complex in there aren't, and, you know, it's a, it's a big row and it probably weighs about 25 pounds or something like that. Think of, if we think of God's plan in terms of blueprints or something. Every person on the earth, everything, every insect, every fish, a fish big enough to wait there and swallow Jonah, everything is in his plan. From ancient times, things have not yet come to pass. So, so if you was, if God come to you and said, okay, we're going back here, we're going to time travel back here from before the foundation of the world and eternity past, and here, here's my blueprints, here's my plans, look through them, tell me what you think. And I was acting foolish this morning, I, I said, well, the first thing I'd say, God, you're making this earth round, and you're going to put people on it, and you're going to spin it, make it flat. So we talked about a lot of things like that, and, and I promise not to spend all my time doing that, but I do want to look at some more things that our wisdom, if we were looking at reviewing God's plan back here, I would have done it different. Would it work correctly? <laughs> no. Now those plans for the, the St. Mary's campus in here at Ironton, if you look at start with, you start out drilling holes about this big around 30 feet in the ground. Well, that doesn't serve any purpose. And you build a building and then it sinks and moves and all that kind of stuff. So you change anything in God's plan. Anybody watch Back to the Future? And what was it, about four different them? And a couple of them, I started getting confused. You, know, you had it, and then he travels back in time, and... Uh, Every little, and I kind of, it's science fiction, of course, I understand that. But every little thing was connected. So he had a picture of himself somehow, and he went back in time, and, and he, he changed some things, and the things that he changed, his mom and dad wasn't going to get together. And the picture he had of himself began to fade. Every little thing that they changed back there affected everything. So God's plan... Oh, let me just state this. It's working together for good. Every, every page, every inch of it is working together for good. But if I was reviewing it back there, uh, I would say things like, well, God, don't create Satan to, to do these things. Don't, that's, a, that's a bad plan. And again, I might, you might direct, say, well, you're going to build that St. Mary's Hospital. Don't, don't start out by drilling holes 30 feet in the ground. It makes a difference. Uh, something else, if I was God, if I was God's counselor, and again, I'm speaking as a fool. So God, don't, don't make the whole human race fall because of Adam. See, that... My understanding 
I, I would have done it differently. But if I change one thing in God's plan, if one thing in God's plan changed, then it changes everything. So, might not understand why through the disobedience of Adam and Eve that death and sin fell on the whole human race. I might not understand, but that doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean it's not God's plan. It doesn't mean it's working together for good. Uh, oh, and I, I think of Joseph being cast in the pit. And, uh, well, they was going to, you know, kill him, and then they were going to cast him in a pit, and then they sold him into slavery. And if I saw that in God's big blueprints, that little corner of that page, I would counsel him, oh, God, don't do that. His brethren went back and told the father that coat of many collars and everything, they put blood on it. Oh, don't do that. His dad's going to think he's dead all these years and all the grief that he's going to cause his dad. And then he himself is going to go down there and cast into prison and so forth. Oh, God, God don't, don't do that. That's, that's bad. I would, in my ignorance, I would say, that's bad. God, don't do that. And he might say, but oh, foolish son, through Joseph being cast down there, the whole nation of Israel is going to be saved in this time of famine. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> There's a lot of things we don't know. There's not anything God doesn't know. Uh, so many things that I would have done different with my knowledge of a grasshopper would have done different. But I, we talked about unfairness somewhere in this kind of series. Don't make your only son, Jesus Christ, suffer for all the sins of all of your elect. Don't do that. It's not fair. But that's my wisdom as a grasshopper. Uh, so many things. And again, I don't want to get carried away too much on that. Uh, so if I was God's counselor, I'd probably try to darken his counsel. Well, I don't understand. He shouldn't do this. And I don't know about you. Is the thing, there, there's things that's happened in lives of loved ones. Oh, if I could have went back here and counseled God, oh, don't do that. Again, I'm speaking as a fool. But it all has a purpose. Uh, so we look at the free will of God versus the free will of man. And that's that's kind of what we, what we look at, what the world looks at. No, that's, that's not, God doesn't have his master plan like this. We're all free moral agents going about here doing whatever we choose to do. There's no master plan. That's what the doctrine of free will, free moral agency teaches you. Uh, but again, God is a sovereign. And again, what that means is free 
of outside influence. We can't say that about our politicians, can we? <laughs> but God back here in eternity past, and we can look at the Trinity if you want to, but no one taught him, no one counseled him. He had his plan. He, with all wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and power, and authority, had a plan, and he declared it back here. And everything that comes to pass in the future is according to his plan, whether I think it's just or not, with my wisdom as a grasshopper. Uh, Job chapter 23, this reminds me of a, uh, a sermon that I heard on television one time. Uh, so this individual on television, boy, he was really given the responsibility to you. It's a point of you to do this. It's a point of you to do that. It's a point of all these things. And what he was, what he was saying, and he was going through some scriptures. It's appointed for you to do this. What he's saying, and by gosh, you better do it. But listen to what it says here in, in Job, uh, chapter 23, and uh, verse 13, maybe. But he is of one mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desires, even that he doeth. For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. So yeah, there are things appointed for me, there are things appointed for you, and he performs it. He performs it. Uh, Daniel, I think I skipped that, but uh, Daniel 4.35, he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. He does according to his will. Everything that took place this day was according to his will. Now you can go look on the news and say, oh, these terrible things. Well, we judge him terrible. We would judge a terrible thing that Joseph's brethren casting him into a pit, but we see it working together for good in God's plan. Uh, so he performeth the things that's appointed for you. So back here in his plan, in his big master plan, there's things appointed for you and for me. A lot of things, depending on how long we live. But he performs them. Oh, that's hard to understand. Well, that's, that's big. <laughs> it is hard for us to understand. But I won't go there. Philippians 2.13. For God works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So we understand he works in us to will and to do. So he gives us this desire and the ability to do. So he works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What's his good pleasure? That's what was in his master plan from the beginning that he declared from ancient times. 
So everything, I, I know we think we're making choices, we're making decisions. And that's what most of the world believes. But how can... If God willed, it says he rules in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. If he willed for something to happen right here, and by my free will, I wasn't here or something like that, then this wouldn't happen. Can you see what a chaos God's plan would be? He does all his counsel. All his desire. So he works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now I know me with my little grasshopper wisdom. Well, I don't like that. You better be thankful that it is because if he left it up to our free will and our choices, it tells us we would choose darkness rather than light. So Look at it this way. God has caused us to will a life that he has given us. It's not we're willing uh, a life that we've chosen. Now, that's, you could break that down a little more. Yes, we do will and choose certain things. But God works in us to will and do of his good pleasure. God has a, a life. Go back here from the beginning, from ancient times. In God's big master plan. And here's a little part of it that I'm in. And a little part of it that you're in. And he has caused you, he has caused me, to will. To do those things that he planned. Doesn't leave room for honor and glory for us, does it? But boy, does it give honor and glory to the Lord. So he's caused us to will and do of his good pleasure, which fulfills his plan. It's not a life that we have chosen, but a life that we've been given. And he has caused us to choose and will that. So it's all, all the honor and glory goes to God, all of it. And it's our human nature to want to claim part of that. That's, well, that's the earthly part of us. Uh, we talked about Jacob and everything, or not Jacob, but Joseph and his brother casting him into a pit. And, and again, if I was looking at that portion of the plan back here, oh God, don't, don't do that. His father dearly loved him. Don't, don't take that blood and put on that coat of many collars and give it to him and him suffering all these years and everything, his thinking his son's dead. Oh God, don't do that. But then we see, again, he might say, well, son, look here at the next page. It saved the whole nation of Israel from starvation because of this famine. So we look at wills, God's will, man's will. You want they collide, who's going to win? Well, there's no question, is there? But, and I think this kind of brings our point together a little bit. Joseph, 
told his brethren when they came to him. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, Joseph had the power to have their heads cut off or beheaded or anything, and they were terrified. But what he told them, he said, okay, you had me cast in a pit, and then you sold me into slavery. He said, and you meant it for evil. But God meant for good to save many. So, <clears throat> did God cause them to do that? Absolutely. <clears throat> that was in God's plan for them to do that. Now, they meant it for evil, but it still worked together in God's plan. Worked together for good. Again, we've got that stone with a scripture on front of our building. We know all things work together for good. Them that love God, them are called according to his purpose. So, uh, and, well, let's go to Ecclesiastes while we're kind of looking this way. Book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, very familiar uh, to you. Even, uh, I believe it was the 60s or 70s rock and roll song uh, that has these words in it. I didn't know it at the time. But Ecclesiastes... <coughs> Chapter 3. Again, wanting to understand a little about God. And, I, and as I was talking to some, to understand more about God, we really need to understand a little more about ourselves. We need to understand we're this grasshopper in comparison with God. So... <clears throat> Looking at God, looking at him and his infinite wisdom, looking at his master plan that he drew up from ancient times from the beginning. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 1. <clears throat> to everything, there's a season. And a time to every purpose under the heaven. So traveling back in time again and eternity past. God had, I can say a purpose, but billions and billions of purposes, I suppose. Purpose for you today, purpose for you tomorrow, purpose for you today, or purpose for you 10 days ago. Every, <clears throat> for every purpose, there's a time and a season. So in God's master plan, if we look at it on a piece of paper and, and pages like that, so he has a purpose, and then he puts it down in time. I have a day planner at work, and I, uh, uh, I purpose certain things, and then I try to put it on a day and a time. Now, unlike God, mine, I don't do all my accounts. Mine doesn't always come to pass, but God does. So back here, he had, he had purposes, and he puts them down in his plan, and they're going to come to pass exactly at the time and season that he wants. Well... That he predestinated. I'll use that word. <clears throat> and then, of course, it goes all the way down through. Time to be born, time to die, time to plant, time to pluck up that which is planted. And all the way down through there. And then if we drop all the way down <clears throat> in verse uh, 11. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Wait a minute. I look at this page where... Joseph's brothers were going to cast Joseph in the pit. Is that beautiful? Me, with my knowledge, didn't think so. But we see it does work good for good. It is beautiful. And all God's plan is that way. 
because I don't understand it or because some don't believe it doesn't mean it's not so. He had made everything beautiful in his time. <clears throat> also, he had set the world in their uh, heart so that no man can find out the works of God, uh, the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. We, we, can't, we can't understand all that. We will someday. Uh, verse 14. I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. So God's master plan. Now, a lot of times on blueprints and plans, they'll make some changes and notes and things like that because you've got imperfect man planning these things. But God, nothing's going to be changed. Nothing's going to be added. Nothing's going to be taken from it. Now, if we were free more agents... That couldn't be true. Verse 15. That which hath been is now. Now this is talking about in, in, in God and his infinite wisdom. That which has been is now. That which is to be hath already been. And God requires that which is in the past. So what it's saying is God's not confined by this thing we call time. Tomorrow is just as clear as yesterday. Next week just as clear as from the beginning when he drew up the plan, if you look at it that way. But that's God. Again, we can look at eight, eight, Romans 8.28. All things work together for good. The only way that could be true is if God was in control of all things. That's the only way that statement can be true. Uh... I know people think, well, that's, that's not fair, or, or that can't be true, or we're all free moral agents. But Jeremiah chapter 1 goes along with this vein as well. And uh, in verse 5... So God, you know, we saw him talking to Job. Now he's talking to Jeremiah. He's talking to us as well. But in verse 5, he told Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. Did he know you before you was born? Did he know Job before he was born? Did he know Saul of Tarsus? who later became the Apostle Paul, did he know him before he was born? Absolutely. Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. <clears throat> and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet to the nations. Your life in God's plan and eternity past has been ordained of God. Jeremiah's was. Before I formed you in the womb, I already knew you. He didn't have to wait till you was born and see if you was a good little boy or a good little girl. Have a list and check on it twice or whatever. He already knew you in the womb. His master plan had already ordained. Preordained. Predestinated. 
everything that was going to be in the future from that point. Before, so he told Jeremiah, and again, he's telling you as well and, and, and myself. Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet to the nations. Well, what if Jeremiah didn't want to be a prophet to the nations? Well, the fact is he didn't. <clears throat> he says, <clears throat> I'll... Uh, Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a child. Jeremiah didn't want to be a prophet of the nations. I can't do that. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I'm a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Who was in control of Jeremiah's life? From before he was born, all the way through. Uh, Psalms... I think it's 139 says it tells us he knew your substance before there was any substance there and again he has this master plan uh, well, let's maybe finish by going to the book of Ephesians again just the more we understand about ourselves the more we understand about God. And the more we understand about God, really the more we understand about ourselves. So, if I was God's counselor, and, and I can't speak for you, if you as God's counselor look in his master plan, are there some things you would change? Oh, and, and as a human, as a man, there's some things going on in people's life right now. If I had the power to change it, if I had the power to erase it out of there, I would do it. But it wouldn't be working together in God's master plan. And I would do it with my grasshopper wisdom. Ephesians chapter 1, and let's just start in verse 4. This is talking about God. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. So what's this saying? That God has chosen his elect in Christ in his master plan before the foundation of the world. And I said, I made a statement earlier that where's our place? Our place is on the receiving end of God's grace and mercy. And and. Can't you see that here in this verse? What a wonderful place that is to be on the receiving end of God's grace and mercy. Let me read it again. According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. What's he chosen us for? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's what he chose you for. And not the whole world without exception. And I was going to talk about that. We don't have time. But you see, you're receiving into God's grace and mercy. If it's up to you, you wouldn't be presented whole without blame. You'd be choosing darkness, according to the Scriptures. And then verse 5, having predestinated. So we go back here, eternity past, God predestinated. 
the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things had not yet come to pass. Line by line, day by day, minute by minute, things had not yet come to pass. That's, that's God. Predestinated. And that word is hated. Don't want to get too carried away. Uh, let me just say it again. I've said it before. There's a building that has a steeple on top, not too many miles from here. And I've heard rumors years ago that if you use the word predestination in the building, anywhere on the premises, you was automatically excluded for using that word predestination. And I've heard those rumors. And Rhonda, I was in Florida one time talking to somebody and asked them about that. If they knew anything about it, if you heard that, and they said, I was there. And yes, that was true. Predestinated is hated. I, several years ago, I had a uh, thing on my vocal cords and, and had surgery a couple of times. They sent me to this speech pathologist, and we got to talking about scriptures. And In fact, I went to her for, I don't know, six eight months, and uh, uh, end up talking about scriptures. And, and uh, she says, I don't know if I believe in that predestination or not. She says, we're still in kind of the Bible belt here, and that's a, that's a dirty word. And that's true. It's hated. Just right around, right around here a few miles. Hated. Why? It takes away honor and glory from man. It gives it all in God's plan. And he gets all the honor and glory. And it's our nature to want to keep some of that. We who feed on devil's food and that dust, we, we want to hold on to part of that. Earthly stuff. Having predestinated us into the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to. Now, if you... If you listen to the world, according to, it's according to what you do, according to your choices, according to your decisions, according to how good you are. What does it say? According to the good pleasure of whose will? His will. To the praise of the glory of His grace, through which He hath made us accepted in the beloved. The religious world tells you that you have to make yourself accepted. I, I hear... And it, it saddens me, but so many times you'll hear somebody passing away. Did they make themselves right with God? Have it wrong, don't they? Has God made us acceptable in the beloved? That's what it says. To the praise of the glory of his grace through which he hath made us accepted in the beloved. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Accord, we have another according to again. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to, according to something. And, and that's where so many gets off track, according to. According to your earthly walk. According to how many, uh, uh, David, of those mosaic laws you can keep is according to that. Is it according, in other words, uh, the forgiveness of sins, according to, is it according to you hearing a gospel message? According to the riches of his grace. That's what it's according to. All goes back to his master plan. So, um, 
let me just say that who did God take counsel with? Well, nobody. Who taught him? Well, nobody. But I want us to understand God has a master plan, so to speak. He has predetermined, predestined all things. And it takes all the honor and glory away from you, all the honor and glory away from me. What if some don't believe that? Does it make God's justice of no effect? No. Let God be true and every man be a liar. So we look at, at, uh, at this. Yeah, me with my grasshopper wisdom, I would, I would have changed things different. But by God's grace, he gives us faith to believe and trust that he is a sovereign God, that he is in control of all things. And our place, I know the world, oh, you're just saying we're a puppet or this or that. You, you put us in a terrible place. No. On the receiving end of God's grace and his mercy, according to that, and we'll spend eternity with him. And we can be assured of that. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed.